Hello, everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Welcome to another episode of Enablement Amplified. I am very excited to have Cheryl Bushek on the show today. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world of enablement. Hi, Fiona. It's so great to be here. I am currently at Juniper Networks, and I lead our global onboarding programs for our enablement group. Love it. Love it. And Cheryl, what what if question did you bring for us today? Well, I was having some very deep thoughts. So my my what if question is, what if every division and business unit at a company had an enablement team? And Ooh. what if corporate learning and development became corporate enablement? Oh, I like I love deep thoughts like this. I, I love how pie in the sky, 30,000 foot, like what would happen if we did that? I think there's so many brilliant ways this could go. So I'm really excited to dig into this, but I always like to ask the question, when were you having these deep thoughts? Like what brought this question to mind? Was it something going on in your team? Was it something you were thinking about with, you know, other enablement folks? How did you even come come up with this wonderfully deep thought? I've had it a couple of times over the last several years. And and part of it is because I've had a lot of different jobs in my lifetime. I'm I'm kind of old now. And it the thought did strike me like, why is sales so special that they have a group that's entirely dedicated to like ramping them to quick success and making sure they're maximally productive? Why doesn't everybody have that function? Because every group at every company is super important. You need everybody right. to work together seamlessly and everybody has to be productive. And there have been instances over the years where I'm like, well, why do we have a different system for sales enablement and learning than we yeah. do for the whole rest of the company? Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because yeah. I started to think about it and I'm like, okay, well, typically corporate L&D is just that. It's only learning and development. It's only training. And enablement, we know, is so much broader than just L&D, right? It's content, it's systems and tools, it's events, it's all these other things that go into enabling the sales team or the go-to-market team. And at the corporate level, it just seems so narrowly focused on just learning and development. And do we have manager training? And do we have a new employee sit through the HR spiel training, right? It's so dry and it could be so much more expansive. I just love thinking about this because we have such a great opportunity, I think, to really peel back the onion on sort of what it is that's special about enablement and makes it different. So when we think about that, like when we think about what more we would gain if we had that more global corporate enablement, talk a little bit about that idea of every you mentioned it like right every salesperson needs all of this so why not every person on the entire team tell us a little bit about where that mindset shift comes into play right how do we think about this from a more global corporate perspective yeah and i'm not saying nobody has done it at this point and i've had some amazing learning and development teams that that have been thinking this way like how do i make sure people have what they need in order to succeed but in general, I, I think, I, I feel like enablement is held to a, a super high standard in the impact we have and in making a real difference in people's lives and making sure that 
what we do pulls levers in the actual output of the company. Mm -hmm. And I just think that would be very healthy for everybody to think about for engineering, for product management, for our marketing team. And every new person that joins deserves to have a really great kind of hand-holding program to help them get not just oriented to you're in this company and here are your benefits, right. but <laughs> let's get you oriented around what it means to have this job in this organization and use the tools that are at hand that you're going to use every day because the tools like engineering uses are very different than the tools that a sales team uses. But we all use different tools every day to be highly productive. And we all have OKRs mm -hmm. and ways people measure our performance. So yeah. I think it's a worthwhile set of thinking. I'm not saying it's easy because with sales, you can measure how people are doing at a very real level. Oh, here, did right. you make your number or did you not? <laughs> But that did you close mean, a deal should... in the first 90 days or did you not? Right. Yep. <laughs> did you build any pipeline? Did you close any deals? What have you done for me lately? Yeah. It's all, <laughs> you know, that's, that's where we live in sales. But that doesn't mean we can't focus on performance, productivity, and success for everybody. Right. And I think that it's interesting that the distinction I'm hearing us kind of dig into a little bit is enablement is really ongoing. We know that, of course, and it's about ongoing performance. And it's not necessarily the sort of flash in the pan that a lot of the corporate L&D work is, right? You sort of get your onboarding. Maybe if you get promoted, you get a little bit more from L&D. Maybe if there's a big move around whatever it might be, corporate learning or a new product launch or something like that that's global to the whole company, you might get more of those interactions with L&D, but it's still siloed. It's still very like just blips on the radar where I think the way that we've evolved in sales enablement is it's an ongoing, ever going process. And it would be so interesting to see that adopted at the corporate level. Agree. <laughs> Agree. It, it, and and part of this is, it, it, it's funny, I, we've seen some merging of different types of functions over the years. I mean, sales has blended into marketing in terms of like generating funnel. I've seen orgs that take like your SDR org and you put it into marketing because it's top of funnel. Like there's a lot more blending yeah. of functions now. And... I think the best organizations overall, they have everybody rowing the boat together and you need every person at the org to be entirely engaged and invested and productive. So if I think about things like, well, if I can ramp a salesperson one month quicker, how much more in dollars does that mean to an org? It's a relatively easy calculation, but mm -hmm. you know, what if you start to think about, hey, if I have an engineer that's building the product that is driving our company success, what would it mean if I could ramp the whole engineering team and all the new people that start one month quicker there? How much more innovative would we be? How much quicker would we be developing and launching product releases? That That is a definitive topic that that's worthwhile. Absolutely. And I think even with things like 
development, right? If you if if the company is using an agile method and they're assigning points to work that needs to be done, think about okay, a new hire can start taking on points that much faster. You're now working on a project you had, you know, three points a week that your team could complete, and now you have four points a week oh, an entire month earlier. That's two sprints in most companies, right? Two sprints yeah. times an, an extra point per two points per sprint. That's that's almost a whole team, right? Like, <laughs> right? Uh, if you take the math and people hours and so forth. So I can see the way that you could, for every department, come up with some of those OKRs and some of those measurable items, whether it's for onboarding or performance. You have to have those things anyway. And I think it's just the idea of cognitively putting the effort up front to streamline those processes and not just throw it in the hands of a manager, right? Because oftentimes right. I feel like in other departments, what I mean, even finance or customer success or whatever it might be, some of those a little bit more like less under the go-to-market umbrella. Some of those departments, you show up, you get your HR, L&D for the first week or two, and then you sit with your manager and they have to show you how to use this instance of Salesforce and all these funny tools. And oh yeah, like here's the weird trickaroo to do this, that, and the other thing. And they don't get to do any of their managerial work while they're onboarding a new hire. So the other piece of this leads me into is how could we take the model of an enablement team today in sales in go-to-market and replicate that across other divisions. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of what I'm thinking about as we have, so if I take operations, I mean, I have all kinds of operations teams out there. Like there's marketing operations and partner operations and supply chain operations. And, you know, I could say order management right. is operations, but it's it's not dissimilar to having that type of support from an enablement perspective. And you can call it like an L&D business partner or an enablement business partner for the division. And, right. and again, not dissimilar to everybody has an HR business partner. Why not have an enablement business partner for all of those groups? focused on individual and team success because everybody does live under OKRs. The OKRs might look different, but everybody needs help. Everybody needs training, assets, somebody to help give, give you a boost. If mm -hmm. you're having trouble and you're not performing to expectation or you can, you can internally feel that you're having problems it's nice to have somebody to go to where you could say, I'm having problems here. What do you have to help me with that? Right. We do so much of that in sales enablement, I feel like, whether it's sort of giving a little bit more coaching or, you know, just having a little bit of perspective on a certain opportunity or whatever it might be. It's kind of the nature of having been in and around sales that we have some insight that either, you know, frontline managers may not have the time or may not have the same perspective. And I feel like we've kind of proven that model of like coming alongside the people that we support. And so I could really see, you know, somebody who's in development or has had experience in development joining as someone who is there to coach and support and onboard and help other developers as they join the organization. And you could really mirror that throughout the entire set of business units. Really 
kind of in a very straightforward manner. Like it's not really that much of a leap. I think it's really almost just getting organizations to grasp the concept of we, we've sort of got it down over here in sales. Why wouldn't we do it for the rest of the organization, right? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So thinking about your own experience, are there places where you see this could have helped you maybe when you weren't necessarily directly in a sales role or directly in an enablement role? Have you seen, like just looking back through the the, the history books, if you will, of your own experience, where could this have helped you in in your career? Oh, so many places. Everywhere? So, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say so many places, but my, my long and winding road. So I started my whole career in an IT role. And I was lucky because when I started working at, out of college in this IT role, I had a lot of support from like more senior members of the group and managers. And it was a super great group to join to get the support I needed just to rev up what it's like to go to an office and work every day. And <laughs> what what are the standards and guidelines and do's and don'ts? Because coming out of school, you you need a lot, totally. right? You need those mentors. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But, but learning how to be an IT professional, I mean, I, I kind of learned on the job and obviously I made some mistakes and I caught myself and I just tried to get better and better. Um, I've always been the hungry person looking for knowledge too and tried to learn. If, if you have people that are more passive and they aren't as, as hungry as others, it, it's more difficult for them. And you don't know what you don't know. Like, I think that's the right. biggest thing. When you're coming into a job, yeah, you can do some, especially now, there's a lot of online information. You talk to people, but you don't really know what you don't know until you stumble across it. So having somebody to point out where all the potholes are in any job, totally super helpful. Like, oh, here, like, and I had a lot of product marketing roles too. So sure. here are the best ways to do X, Y, and Z at this org. Like here's the best practice in how to implement security standards, which I wrote a document for in my first job. Like, how strong should your passport be? And that was an eon ago. So we've come <laughs> a long way since then. But when I went into product marketing, it was similar. It was a whole different role. And there was a lot I didn't know. So I just kind of dove in and did stuff. And I asked a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it worked. And it was fine. And I revved up and I got going. But I probably could have revved up faster if somebody had something programmatic. And they said, okay you are new to this function, you're new to this job, you're new to this company, I've got a proven way to help ramp you up on the most important critical aspects of the job you're about to do and how we get things done here and who all the people are and how you use tools and processes here. It would have gone a lot faster and I would have mm -hmm. made fewer mistakes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, could have contributed more earlier, I think yeah. is the key. Yeah. And I, th I the other thing that I heard you say that I think is so important as well is that you, you mentioned that you had the drive and the ambition and you were going and asking the questions and you were getting after the things you needed to be successful. And that's not necessarily everybody's personality. And I think oftentimes in the corporate world, we mistake lack of performance early on or lack of 
I don't want to say ambition because I think people naturally have some level of ambition. But when you have some people who are up here and some people who are right here, but there's a gap between those two, you you start to criticize or critique the people that aren't just blowing it out of proportion and they get left behind, right? They get cited for poor performance or whatever it might be when really they just may not learn the same way. They may be a little bit more reserved. They may just not have the personality and you have you run the risk of losing really quality team members if you rely on them and their own sort of hungry aggressiveness about learning and getting up to speed when you don't have someone there to guide them. And I'll double down on one thing that I also just said, you know, people have such different learning styles. And if you have someone in a role that is familiar with learning styles, right, that brings some of that L&D and instructional design, some of it to some degree, again, you're creating an environment where more people with more learning styles and neuro to atypicalness and everything else that goes with that, you make the playing field so much more level for so many more people when you have someone whose focus is not just let me make the top performers better or, or find the hungriest people and help them along, but let me help everybody along so that we have an entire team of top performers and we might take a couple of different paths to get there. I'm really loving this idea of replicating enablement across the roles because we see the impact that it has on performance and sales. So why wouldn't we assume it's going to have similar impacts across every division within a company? I love it. I love it. Did you know that Enablement Amplified is an entirely community-generated podcast? What does that mean? It means that the podcast is fully supported by our members who contribute monthly to help with the costs of running a podcast. If you're interested in becoming a member, simply go to enablementamplified.com and click membership. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now, let's dive back in. One thing that you talked about earlier related to managers and managers don't have time to do the work of enablement. I, I will say that I think my biggest job as a manager is ensuring that my people are equipped for success. And I know as a manager, we're pulled in every different direction, but I think that is the most important thing a manager could do. And think about what if you didn't have to figure it all out on your own and you had an enablement program, person, uh, process. What if you had somebody to help you operationalize the success of your people, assess your people, make sure that before performance review time, if you saw gaps, you had a way to address those gaps and help people get better. Because if you mm -hmm. have to make it up on your own, it is so much harder. And how do you Agreed. glean what's working anywhere? That's what enablement does is bring forward. This is what we know works. Everybody should use it. You see a gap here. We have a way to help fill that gap and we'll work you through it. Yeah, I was talking with my friend Sabrina this week about her enablement role and what she loves the most about it. And she mentioned she really loves enabling frontline and mid-level managers who I think get left in the dust by enablement so often. And I absolutely agree. If we 
it, it, it's just like the puzzle pieces are already built, guys. Like if we just take the enablement tools and processes and oper operationalization, I literally have a meeting every week called operationalization and I have to say it out loud. It makes me nuts. I hate that <laughs> word. But anyway, it is an important thing to do. And, and we've done that in enablement already for reps. And I think if we just continue to replicate that process for managers, for other types of employees, it just seems so simple. It's almost like too simple, <laughs> which I love. Um, it's simple to talk about, but I think the execution <laughs> is where we all are like, oh, yeah, it looks good when I write it on paper, but getting it done. Right. It's a world of work. And it's not just one time. Like once you build something, then you have to manage it, maintain it, continuously evolve it. So, yeah, you can't, it's not something you do once. You actually have to dedicate a good amount of time and resource for sure. And I think that just, just touches on my personal favorite topic, which is that enablement is strategic inherently, whether or not people around us are convinced of that yet. But I think that's just another touch point for why enablement of anyone is, is ultimately a strategic topic because it is inherently tied to the success of the company. And when you start to think about it at that corporate level of enablement, it's tied to everybody, literally every person in the company. Therefore, it is inherently strategic. So I had a job for several years where one of the things that we were working on heavily across the entire company is how do we transform our entire corporate model from kind of a standard perpetual licensing and, you know, you sell one big thing up front and then all the revenue tells off. So if you think about transforming a model where you sell things in a traditional way to a model where the whole company is focused on annual recurring revenue, net recurring revenue and subscription and SaaS and transforming the whole company, we did that. And what ended up happening was like there was a core team. There was a lot of focus on operations and systems and, and financial reporting. And then all of a sudden, one day we started talking about what about the people and the notion of organizational change management across the whole company. Totally. Like, it's not just our sales team that's selling differently in that model. Everybody has to understand how their job changes when we change the company. And, and the whole kind of enablement of the organizational change, they, they called on me to lead that because it was that, that level of thinking that was needed. And how do, we, how do we help people through the change and we maintain optimal performance for everybody at their job, but we're effectively enabling them to be, and equipping them to be part of this new organizational model so that they can feel confident and they can be confident in their role in the new work model. So it's just an example of where yeah. corporate enablement has a play because every org has to kind of constantly evolve or or they go out of business. And we've right. seen a lot of examples of that over time. Yeah, it's, in it's interesting that you kind of tie it into that because I was actually having a conversation this week about our company's revenue kickoff. And the person I was speaking with 
this is the first year we're calling it revenue kickoff instead of sales kickoff. And he said, well, why are we calling it revenue kickoff? And I said, well, some of our customers' success and, and other folks are joining the event. And so, you know, they're part of the revenue engine of the company. And so that's why we're moving it from sales kickoff to revenue kickoff. And he said, well, if we think about it that way, everybody in the whole company is helping drive revenue. So why isn't everybody coming? And I was like, okay, okay, touche. But everyone in the company needs to be supported and doing better at their job. That's always how I describe it, sales enablement. My job is to make sellers better sellers. So if we yeah. replicate that across the board, everyone in every company needs that support to just do their job better, more efficiently, more productively, at a higher level, whatever it might be. And if we're not exercising or practicing enablement at those folks, how are they getting that? Right? Are they yes. getting it organically? Are they going out and seeing it themselves? Are they spending their own time and money on training and upskilling themselves? Or is it something that we as an organization want to double down on and support across the board? I think we're it's really getting question. somewhere, Cheryl. We it's should... a great question. And the funny <laughs> part is you just mentioned something else like in my head, why is revenue the only team to get a kickoff? Right. <laughs> but we can I, talk about I've that. I've asked that day. question a lot of times. We could, I, I could go on and on about kickoffs, mostly because I actually enjoy them because I'm a crazy person. But oh, me too. <laughs> but I, but I think what we're really driving home here with this deep, slightly crazy thought is. In all of the ways that people see enablement today as a profession, sort of a little bit behind the eight ball, a little bit slow to develop, right? The profession has really come along maybe in the last 10, 15 years if we have an enablement title on it. But actually, we're sort of ahead of the game on the other side of the coin, right? Like what we're doing in the systems and the tools that we've built are so successful for sales. Why wouldn't we roll them out to all the rest of the company? And I think that in and of itself is such a big what if, like what would the world look like when this comes to fruition? So that's my next question for you, Cheryl. What would organizations look like if this was happening, if this was in place and we were executing on corporate enablement? It's a great question. And since I like to live in unicorn worlds from time to time, here's what I think would happen. A, I think we'd really be evaluating the critical factors of success at every major role in every division in an org. So we'd really think about who are the right people to come into these roles? What are the characteristics? What are the skills? What are the competencies we're looking for from people? So I think right off the bat, we would look at that and we would be hiring in a very purposeful way. We would write better job descriptions. We would do better interviewing. And then when you get the right people in, you're better off to begin with. But the other thing is, if if I think about all the stats that say sales and revenue enablement can make, when done well, a 15 to 20% difference in your actual results, then I apply that across the organization. What if, what if I had a product team that got their work done 15 to 20% faster and with 15 to 20% fewer issues. Mm -hmm. So if I think about quality assurance and think yeah. about the, the 
incredible importance of what we release to our customers and how quickly even one little mistake can have a really terrible effect. What if everybody was 20% more effective at the job they did and they ramped 20% quicker? I mean, I would, and I would effectively build a machine where I had far fewer performance issues. Mm -hmm. Managers would love that to begin with. And my retention would skyrocket because people would experience success. And there is nothing better, I think, for a person that makes them want to stay. They feel and they are successful. Exactly. And they're getting all that positive feedback because they're successful. That's what enablement can drive. Successful people, strong retention. I, if you feel really good about your job and you're rewarded well, there's Hell nothing yeah. better than that. People are staying. They're not going to leave and go to your competitor for more money. They won't. Exactly. Exactly. And that that was what was coming to mind for me was exactly that. If we enable everyone across the organization to be more successful, you know, people make comments all the time, you know, back in my day, people would stay at the same company for 20 years. Well, why would they stay there? There's real reasons behind that. And I think one of them that we can point to, whether it was at that time and the way that companies were structured and a lot of the professional development because there weren't online courses to take and all that stuff, right? IBM is known for its internal training stuff because they had to build it themselves and they were doing enablement for their whole company, really, if you think mm -hmm. about it that way. So the longevity of your employees reducing the cost or replace them. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole about that. But I think ultimately what you hit the nail on the head is people are just going to be happier in their role when they're seeing success. They know how their success is measured and they yeah. know what success looks like in their teams and in their organizations because the people who are successful are sticking around, right? We see that a lot of times, right? Your cream rises to the top and then there's nowhere for them to go. So they leave, which I think is a whole different attrition problem. But I could just imagine companies growing really beautifully and well with great foundations of great teams because people have that satisfaction and they don't want to go anywhere. So I, we've kind of hit a lot of key points, but I really think one, it improves the bottom line across the board. Two, it makes for a better employee base. It gives people the opportunity to be more satisfied. And we know all the stats about, you know, happy, healthier lives when you're more satisfied in your career. So I guess now I'm just like going to challenge everyone in the universe to implement corporate enablement <laughs> because why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. I know I like to live in the unicorn land a lot, too. So I will I will pretend that that's going to happen tomorrow and then maybe be mildly disappointed when it doesn't. And for the record, <laughs> I do love this what if game you play during this podcast. <laughs> I like what if. I do too, because I think we can spend so much time talking about tactics and tools, which is great. And it's super important. It's something we in enablement do a lot of because we do have to kind of crowdsource a lot of our information. And there's awesome podcasts out there talking about that every day. And I was like, you know what? I like living in unicorn land, by the way, Cheryl, I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get all my enablement friends and other revenue leaders and so forth. And we're going to play the what if game and we're going to live in unicorn land for a little while because it gives us a chance to just get outside the box and think about what could happen. And maybe someone listening to this is going to go, you know what? 
I'm really tight with our L&D folks. What if we thought about this a little bit further? And what if we tried that out? And if that's what we do from this conversation, Cheryl, I think it's a win. <laughs> I agree. Hey, hit me up if, if this <laughs> spurred something new at your company. I want to hear about it. <laughs> exactly. And that's a perfect segue, Cheryl, into, you know, here on Enablement Amplified, we always like to amplify our guests. So that right there, Cheryl just teed it up for herself. If this is a topic that interests you, connect with Cheryl. She's on LinkedIn. She's in the Enablement Squad Slack channel. Anything else that we can do to amplify you, Cheryl? No, I am excited to be part of this and I don't need to be fully amplified. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out from Jonathan Carfort on how I don't make enough noise. So Jonathan, I hope this made you happy. It's Jonathan fun and I are the Fiona. kind of people that like to put the spotlight on people, even if they don't quite love it. But I'm so glad you've been here, Cheryl. Last thing for us before we wrap it up for today, we always love to amplify other people. And I know you've got some pretty great people that you wanted to amplify today. So please give us a little bit on those amazing ladies. Yes. And while I could amplify so many people, our community is fantabulous. So I encourage everybody to be part of the community as much as they can. But I think two of my favorite people are Wendy Bissonette and Nina Sandy. And they have a new company they just formed called Aranya GTM Consulting. Wendy and Nina are just fabulous people. They're fabulous enablers. And I will say that I always leave my conversations with them, learning something new and energized. And, and, and we just connect regularly because we like each other and we learn from each other. So Wendy and Nina, I wanted to give you that shout out. I really, really enjoy my connection with you. I also, because I speak some Spanish, I also love that they're, the name Aranya means spider. And I could just imagine how cool that concept could be for their company, right? Of just like having all your eight legs and a bunch of different things. Maybe maybe that's what they came up with the name for, but who knows? I just thought you of know, that. <laughs> we should ask them how they named we their should. company because I have not asked them that question. <laughs> we should. We'll find it. Okay. I love it. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. It was great talking with you, Fiona. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and comment on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to our email list at www.enablementamplified.com to get every new episode delivered right to your inbox. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.